welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. As Aaron and I are safely, securely, and comfortably ensconced here on 3rd Avenue North in Franklin, Tennessee, we have a view through <laughs> these tall windows of the sidewalk where your boys have been pacing back and forth. The sun is going down, dusk yeah. is slowly falling, the street lights have come on. It's a romantic evening. <laughs> and my Samson meeting is tonight, so I'm I'm totally stoked. I'm I'm gonna be there. Are you? But late evidently by the time I pack this stuff up, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have a real treat uh this week. Uh KK Ray is gonna join us. And I, I think you're just really gonna enjoy this conversation. Now tell me real quick, because we were uh chastised for a lack of banter yeah you were out of town i was out of town yes i have been traveling quite a bit lately in fact my travel schedule is picking up dramatically this fall i'm gonna spend a lot of time on the road wait should should we talk about your strange new situation that's coming up there's no secret to that is you there? know what i'm so excited about it let's go ahead i'm gonna say it you know i've been i have been strictly a volunteer at uh, Samson Society and Samson House for ever since 2004 and uh, su supported myself entirely with an engineering company uh, which is great I'm so grateful to have that business and it's made it possible for me to do some Samson work but that engineering work leaves very little time to do Samson work uh, so I've decided after prayer and consideration and consultation with others and consultation with my wife that my passion I just had a birthday just turned 63 it struck me I got seven years till I'm 70 uh, it feels like a final lap to me I really would like to spend those seven years if God grants them to me doing something a little bit more consequential than what I've been doing uh, so I've taken. We don't have to judge your hurricane reports. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, so uh, anyway, I have handed the engineering company to my son at least for the last three months of 2019. It's kind of an experimental thing, and uh, I'm going to throw myself into Samson work for three months full time. It's like this is like a sabbatical. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. I'm going to do some more. Writing, I'll do some more blogging, I'll do some more speaking, and some more, you know, just connecting and networking. And my problem, I'm so excited about it that I already, I think, have set myself up with a, you know, an eight-day-a-week schedule with, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's, that's hard. You know. I understand. Yeah. But I'm so excited about it, and so is Allie. She's excited, too. So you were at the beginning of, I mean, you're, you're right there. Uh, this was one of your first big trips, even though it's not technically started yet. But you went to Colorado, hung out with some uh, recovery movers and shakers. Yeah, hung out with some, just some great guys. And I'll be back out in Colorado Springs in just a few weeks with some more leaders in the recovery movement uh, to plan uh, an annual uh, sex addiction recovery conference. So you and I went out to the camp uh, yeah. a couple weeks ago. We did, just to scout. To scout. Uh, very exciting. Got me excited. Yeah. Got my hormones bubbling. <laughs> I'm not sure what that means, dude. Yeah, I, I, don't know. I was just saying I was excited, but then it just sounded sexual and weird. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, They've made a lot of changes at the camp since we were there last year, and so we had to reconfigure things. We couldn't operate on old assumptions in planning where we're going to do our workshops and so on, but we got it figured out. But on the way back, we had a conversation, and you came up with a catchphrase. Is that secret? Are we waiting to unveil that, or can we... Can we? I've already forgotten it. A catchphrase? Oh, my gosh, dude. All right. We were talking about how from the beginning of Samson, I remember visiting here yeah. after Christianity Today did their article. Yeah. And I was in, I think, art, yeah, I was in Art's house with all the Samson guys. Yeah. And, oh, here's the copy. We're so excited. And it was like a bunch of sex addicts known as the Samson Society. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh my gosh. Everyone yeah. was so mad. Yeah. So there is this. Uh, confusion sometimes yeah, that yeah. Samson is just for sex addicts. Yeah. And when we're in the car, you said you don't have to be a sex addict to be in Samson, but 
it sure helps. Was that what you said? What did you say? But it doesn't hurt. But it doesn't hurt. It okay. doesn't hurt. So, uh, yeah, I thought you were very excited about yeah. that. I thought about a new, uh, like a, a two-word slogan for Samson Society that I kind of like. Okay. Samson Society. Get real. So there you go. Do you like that? I like That's it. really what it's about. Yeah. So I, I thought, you know what? This is important for us to remind people yeah. on this show that it's not just, oh, I don't have to be a sex addict. Mm -hmm. I could also be an alcoholic or I could be an alcoholic mm -hmm. or I could be a drug addict. People forget you don't have to be right. anything other than a person yearning for authentic community. That's it. That right wants there. to get honest because there's a lot of other things besides uh, socially accepted addictions to substances or behaviors. Yeah. That still mean, no, I'm, I'm still alone. Yeah. I'm still yeah. hurting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this is about for mm -hmm. Pete's sake. So you don't have to be a sex addict to be in Samson, but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, stick with us. Uh, you're going to want to hear this conversation with KK Rape. We'll be back in a minute on the Pirate Monk Podcast. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Girl, you just don't realize what you do to me when you hold me in your arms so tight. You let me know everything's all right. Well, welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. And uh, listeners, those of you who've read Samson and the Pirate Monks may recall the name K.K. Ray. She played a pivotal role in my story, Allies in My Story, and the survival of our marriage and kind of the beginnings of the Samson Society. And if you've looked at the registration page for the upcoming fall retreat, you know that K.K. Ray is presenting a workshop. First woman at a Samson retreat. First woman ever to attend a Samson yeah, Society not just retreat. A, not just a presenter, but an attendee. Yeah. yeah. She's she's there. She has she has broken the glass floor. <laughs> 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 well, as long as it's broken, we're okay, right? <laughs> and KK, of course, is also a favorite guest uh, on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. So KK, thanks for joining us. Well, I'm very honored to be here. I really love being with you guys. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, we go back a long way. Now, you and I are both Christians, and we met initially at church, uh, at Christ Community Church. Gosh. I mean, I got there 21 years ago. And I think y'all had just moved to town when yeah. I first met Allie. Okay. Yeah. I, as a matter of fact, I taught the first time that I ever taught a class. Um, Allie came to it. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, was I thankful for Scotty Smith taking a risk on me teaching, but was the most shame-filled human. But I just knew I was every time I taught, I knew I was going to get a call that afternoon that said I taught wrong and I was fired. <laughs> So how, how's that? And I think we were teaching Rosemary Miller's book, and I can't remember the title of it, but it has to do about shame. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. So you anyway. were teaching about shame, waiting for well, the shame, shame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. avalanche to oh, consume yeah. you. Yeah, there was always a, always a big fear of rejection back there and yeah. abandonment. So yeah. those, were, those were good growth, growth, growth times. For all of us, I think. Yeah, and I was just beginning my recovery journey then and bringing all of my own conceptual baggage into the process and then uh, encountering 12-step uh, recovery with all of its 
insight and assumptions. It's orthodoxy, you know, and as yeah. orthopraxy. So, yeah. Uh, and I got to tell you, I had a ton of shame back then. Of course, yeah. coming to coming to terms with, uh, you know, my compulsive behavior, coming to call myself a recovering sex addict, a lot of shame in that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, finding a safe place to bring those darker behaviors and those more shameful acts out in the light, talk about them. Uh, I got some... Slowly got some shame reduction in the process. Shame reduction. Like it? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you're going to ask a question. I can tell when you're leading to a question. Yes, but before you get to that, because right. you got your stuff you want to talk about. You're I got kick some stuff sideways. I want to. And the second you walked in and you said, oh, you knew not just Nate, but Nate and Allie. Like, you have yeah. a very Allie energy. Clearly, you guys would cause trouble together, it feels like. Love Allie Larkin. Okay, just, Love just her. making sure that I was yes. like reading Don't the mess Bible. with Allie. Don't okay. mess with Allie. Uh, this is not a lesson I need taught by you or anybody else. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I don't know who you are. Give me the story. Nate doesn't need the story. I need at least some of the story. Of who I am? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, um, my husband and I moved here about 25 years ago, I think now, and found Christ Community Church mm-hmm. at that point. And I, I, I don't know a whole lot of how that evolved, but I do know one thing that Scotty brought to that world at that time. Scotty Smith, Scotty the pastor Smith, of Christ Community Church. Was, yeah, yeah, pastor there was that. Um, he 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 deserves a lot of credit for um, what Brene Brown has now researched and proven on vulnerability and um, mm-hmm. and you know not cleaning up in the parking lot um, to talk about your story and and at the same time um, I, I had dealt with a good bit of depression coming out of having two two babies and. Um, hit I, I hit the wall mm-hmm. um and started doing my own work and um so was that like postpartum depression was yeah, it something else was it, more chemical was it well and i think genetically um mm-hmm. i have some history of that in my family and also david and i lost our first child so mm. dealing with grief and at the time um that we got to franklin we had two kids um babies and but we had never even known to investigate therapy for grief or or Mm -hmm. how all that worked and and we know so much more now about you know and and i don't i don't um go into my story um my childhood um growing up story it's not complete yet and uh, i don't really want to dishonor anybody i might do that but not in a podcast right sure but um there's a lot of history there that i layered upon layered in my brain and Mm -hmm. finally there comes a tipping point and we hit the wall and we have to do our own stuff so So, real quick what do you mean when you say it's not complete yet so you're still trying to figure out what certain things mean no it's not it's not that i'm i'm figuring those things out although i hope i continue to figure things out Mm -hmm. it's that that the uh, there's a lot of players in my story that um, right. that I, I, I'm not going to bring that forward at this point, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, you know, yeah, I'm just in think, this forum, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I mean, we're not trustworthy. That's a fact. Everybody knows well, that. Well, it's but not that. I know, I know, I know. It's that, you know. No, I'm just I'm thinking of other people that are listening to this sure. that hear you say the sure. words, it's not complete, and that might resonate, and they don't even know why. So, so let me just tell you what that means as far as, and I'll mention Brene Brown a lot, um, because she's pivotal in a lot of my own growth and what I brought into the therapeutic setting. But she says you don't ever talk about your story in a in a public forum if you're still working it out. Yeah. You know, you got to know the reason God has brought you through that story and the benefit to others. But otherwise, you're just dumping the truck. Right, right. Okay, we're, we're shifting directions here, but yeah, uh, my biggest fear... Uh, being a pastor for a lot of years was the person that wanted to tell their testimony when clearly they were still going to screw up uh, in a little while and have to re-go through their story. And that was, so the idea of, well, wait, when, when is it, it, when is it a story I'm supposed to tell? I think it's a story to tell when we understand our growth, what we've grown from in it. Um, 
and and you always want to be mindful if you're telling your story and this is where what are, what are we telling it for what's right. the purpose and if the purpose is to work our own shit out you know we need to be doing that with a trusted person and right one-on-one we right. don't do that in a forum where or if our pur- or a small group like right. you guys have that are safe um yeah. Or if our purpose is to passive aggressively get back at somebody mm-hmm. or tell on yeah. somebody, you well, know, yeah. it can get really to ugly. get relief. Yeah, yeah, not a good. And Nate, you're you're a great example of this. That there's a real danger in the church to need to tell a testimony that we think is a completed story mm-hmm. versus here's this part of the story, and now I'm going to be honest about where it takes me. Right. But we want the healing. We want the miracle, which means it's a done deal. Right. Lazarus never died again because that was a done deal. <laughs> the healing was a healing. Death yeah. no more. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, that's uh, objectively stupid, right. and yet. Right. So when I'm hearing you say that, there's that pressure of, wait, what is my story if not a complete victory for Jesus? As if complete victory for Jesus means I'm not an asshole anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, find me that pill. I want that. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I deal that around the corner in the yeah. alley. Yeah. 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 So, so anyway, um, to answer your question, I think we both have been about in the same time frame of evolving into what we believe about healing. Yeah. And, and, um, and I'm going to tell y'all, it's pretty complicated at this point, at least in my life yeah. to figure out, you know, what's, what's brain science, what's healing, what's, you know, right ring, right wing religiosity that doesn't fit anymore. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, where, where Christ fits into all that over all that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think there's another glass ceiling to break through <laughs> yeah, yeah. on this thing. Um, you know, I spent last week, four days last week, uh, it was such a treat and a blessing, a wonderful, just, uh, uh, it was marvelous. I spent four days in a lodge in Spearfish Canyon in South Dakota with eight other guys wow. from around the country. And uh, so we had deep, long, deep conversations in a beautiful setting. The last night, uh, one of the guys asked me, he said, Nate, uh, what has changed in your mind since uh, you published Samson and the Pirate Monks? What would you say differently now? Mm. And I love that he assumed that I am continuing to grow and think and evolve. That's amazing. That's a gift for somebody to remember that you're not like you were five right. years yeah, ago. Yeah. Because there's huge judgment and worrying about that judgment of somebody listening to me five years ago compared to now, right? <laughs> Scary <laughs> as hell, actually. <laughs> but you said that. <laughs> yeah. you know, by the way, did you see the Babylon Bee article a couple de- a couple days ago The titled uh, Prodigal Son Kicked Out Again After Old, <laughs> after old Tweets Surface? Oh, yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. So the elder brother finds old tweets. And he gets, anyway, so I said, um, I said, what's different today is that I understand recovery far more as healing than as repentance or reform. Yeah. Wow. Than I did twelve years ago. Wow. Wow. Would you say that? Would you feel the same? Yeah, I would even say um, that I have a physiological response to that word Re- what were the two you just said repentance, repentance and, and reform or reformation repentance yeah. and reform yeah yeah for some reason i do have a physio i think i think that word has been used has been weaponized yeah and i don't know who gets to judge that besides jesus but boy there are a lot of people that try to mm-hmm. and a lot of damage that's been done with that i would say that healing where i would even go with that healing is um, there's such a huge physiological component to that that we know about that we mm-hmm. never knew before. Right. Um, if you look at Vanderkolk's work, the body keeps the score, and you look at brain-based healing and things like that that we never integrated. And I think, I think that, I, well, I know that our um, graduate schools and our therapy graduate schools, I think churches, I think twelve-step. We got to catch up mm-hmm. with uh, with mm-hmm. with a lot of this being brain based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the hard thing. So I'm hearing both of you. It's now two on one. Uh, 
ironically on this subject, by the way, there are people that are going to hear that and say, well, wait, there is repentance that's needed because repentance is just a word. And it means so many different things. Exactly. And, and to, so to some people, it's this important part of their moving towards God. For other people, it was a club they were beat with. For almost all evangelicals, the word repentance meant turn 180 degrees, change mm. directions, do something different. When the right. word meant to change your mind, so God already within the word he chose to use represents a lot of what you're saying. Right. But the way it's been used is, well, as a pastor, I can't quantify if you've repented unless I see the change in behavior. So screw the change in mind. I don't know what's happening with that. Just stop drinking. Just stop looking at porn. Right. So it's not like I I think God undergirds these thoughts with what he he told us he was about. And then... and, and. I, being a pastor for 23 years, I'll say it. Our need to control and quantify everything mm-hmm. meant that we subtly shifted words into something that we could say we're succeeding or we're failing because we see blank. Right, right. And and I, I don't want to forget what what is, you know, a lot of the good of repentance. And a lot of the good there is to look at, to be able to look at, um, empathically at another human being and say, what carnage did I leave because of my behavior? Mm-hmm. We don't want to throw that out. Right, sure. Because because it is a huge step in, in an individual's healing and corporately healing, relationally healing with the people you live with to be able to say, bring it on. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me how mm-hmm. bad the carnage is. I'm not saying that we forget that at all. But I, I want to bring it back to even the healing part. Like repentance is when uh, I can't fake repentance. Repentance is when I actually have my mind's been changed. And uh, so I think that's part of the, the bullshit religious piece is you do this, you repent. Okay. But there's a process and healing is when I yeah. go, Oh yeah, I don't believe what you thought about porn or hookers 20 years ago is not what you think now. Right. That's a change of mind. Yeah. You actually have so, a change of mind. So there's this, you know, there's this other phrase from the New Testament: "Be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I see that very clearly as a a progressive thing. One hundred percent. Yeah. It's a progressive thing. We're talking about healing. Uh, we're we're recovering from disordered thinking. We have responded to an injury. Uh, and have learned a way to deal with distress that uh, has turned out to be disordered and is causing us and other people a great deal of trouble. That needs to be uh, somehow abandoned and new neural pathways formed so yeah. that behavior can yeah. change. A lot of that uh, originating below the level of conscious awareness, right? Hugely, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. And... and and there's a spiritual component to that because the truth is nobody knows yet. And I, I recently heard Malcolm Gladwell talking about he, his life. He was on a podcast with Oprah, which I haven't listened to, but my daughter told me about it. He wants his life work to be about figuring out how the mind changes. Mm-hmm. How does the mind change? We do not know. Right. Yeah. So so I think there's a big spiritual component to that. that I all do too. of a sudden I wake up and I'm like, holy shit, that's how I acted? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, with no other means of what would have made mm-hmm. that change. Mm-hmm. I think where I'm, I have the physiological response to that word, and words matter, is when I hear over and over again a group of, you know, self-appointed judges deciding how repentant someone is based on mm-hmm. a snapshot of report from a spouse or whatever, and you're just not repenting enough or you yeah. haven't repented yet. And, and we're going to judge you whether you're worthy if you've repented. And there, I mean, I, I could line up in my mind right now, dozens of people that have been so injured by that hierarchy of power and decision for someone else where they are in that process. Yeah. And yeah. process is the point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, listeners, take note that all of us have agreed with each other 
in every point here. <laughs> Some of you hold... That's because KK's always right. <laughs> Don't forget it. Nate and I are just, just on the joking, train for the journey. Joking, joking. But acknowledging some of you have been hurt by exactly that. And so, screw it. That was wrong. That wasn't Christian, no matter how many Bible verses were quoted. For some of you, you get confused by all of this because you think, well, wait, doesn't the Bible have the answers? Why is it KK's answers? No, this is exactly what the Bible's talking about when it speaks of repentance and transforming your mind. So we're all hitting this from different angles. Mm -hmm. And what I want to, well, you're going to get to it. I think it's touching on the direction you want to go, which is the trauma direction. Yeah. This is really important but kind of scary for a lot of people to acknowledge. Cause I know a lot of people that say, look, that happened in my past. I just want to move on. Teach me how to just start here and be okay. Right. Yeah. And, and that, you know, I was thinking about, I can remember the first time I sat on John Marshall's couch, who was a therapist here in town. Um, and the suggestion that you have to go back and look at your childhood to, to make sense of your behavior currently was so foreign to me. Yeah. I, I mean, it truly was a new thought. And now, and, and you know, 22, three years ago, we didn't have the science to back that up. I mean, right. Now we have studies out of Harvard that show that the hippocampus is damaged when a baby is neglected or mm-hmm. or or abused right the hippocampus is that area the quad out behind the psychology building in harvard well don't ask me any more about how how sophisticated i am about the brain anatomy because i've just done the most i know but no the truth is that that we we now know even yeah pre pre pre-pregnancy the, the prediction of a, of a child having anxiety and depression based on the mom's generational. Yeah, and, right. And, you know, so there's so much in there. So, yeah, trauma, trauma is a whole new world that has to be looked at. Yeah. Uh, and we can't deny that anymore because of the science. It's bad right. science not well, to look at. And no. in the world of PTSD, like, there has been no good solution for these neural pathways that are created through a traumatic event until neural feedback, which I want to hear more because I'm super into that. Um, But that's, I mean, that was a huge deal where we recognize this exists. Here are people that are having physical responses because there are neural pathways that are created and there's no, I mean, there's no medicine that fixes it. There's no cognitive therapy that's making it go away. So, Can you speak? Let me just uh, highlight one thing first. You used a phrase, which I think it's very important for our listeners to understand. We mentioned trauma, and you said abuse or neglect. Yeah. And it's it is very important to understand because a lot of us, if you don't have a horrific, you say my childhood was pretty good. Trauma can be either something that happened that shouldn't have, or Something that should have happened that didn't. And it's that latter thing that's harder to see. Yeah, and, and much more easy to dismiss. Right. Um, and, and, and now what we're knowing is we don't even know, you know, it might not even have happened to us. It might have happened the generation before, mm-hmm. you know. And so it gets really tricky, but we can look. We, we have to, to be able to heal, to be able to be present in our relationships, we have to make sense of our stories. That's the only way we know that. Yeah. Now. And 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 it's very very difficult. It's painful. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of patience with yourself and others to even begin to to say what is my story. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna be the voice of this lady's nuts. You gotta do it. Yeah. You just said okay. I I. Had, have a great childhood story. My parents were great. Nate has constantly tried to figure out how it's not true because he says I'm the only person that had good parents. But you just said, well, wait, Aaron, maybe it was your parents' parents, yeah. and you're still messed up. <laughs> and so if, if I were a skeptical person, yeah, I'd be like, well, wait, are you just trying to figure out that there's something wrong with me? Well, I think I think the way to to look at it is 
we, we want to look at causality as opposed to symptomology, typically. That's we, awesome. Say it again. Causality as opposed to symptomology. So we want to say what caused something, we can go in and heal from that, and then the symptoms go away. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the model that I have for addiction at this point. However, that can fall apart if you've got symptomology and don't know what caused it. Mm-hmm. Now, Vander Kolk's work and also David Grand, who developed brain spotting, which is a, a next generation of EMDR, and mm-hmm. I know I'm giving lots of terms here, but 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 they would say, you know, let's just find out what you're holding in your body. Your yeah. body's remembering remembering something at a non-conscious level. Let's just clear that so that you you don't have let me give an example of this and there's there's this whole new term I'm starting to study now that you guys shut me up if we're going down a rabbit trail but it's called the polyvagal theory mm-hmm. and in a nutshell what I'm starting to look at is for somebody when when we have some kind of disease within our body so our chest gets tight our stomach hurts our, our knees are weak our brain likes to make up a story to match that feeling in our body. Mm-hmm. So where we where we need to begin to look at is the the body awareness, and there may be nothing going on that you're really aware of. So the other day I had a, a tight chest and was dealing with a couple of abuse cases, and and um, it never occurred to me to look through my own lens at the time that I was working on these two cases because I couldn't understand why because I wasn't hyper involved in these I was just getting triggered Mm -hmm. and so I needed to go back and and my husband who's incredible David he was able to help me go okay now wait a minute didn't you have this this and this happened if I were you I would have been triggered by that because of this part of your story and then the dots connected and my body relaxed Uh so uh so it was very very important to go from body up as opposed Mm -hmm. to brain down right if that makes sense because brain down would have been i'm just pissed at whoever that was that abused his wife and that's just how where i would have landed and stayed pissed does Mm -hmm. that make sense yeah yeah so so what you're talking about oh and and for those of you that want to remember polyvagal just remember first polly wanted a cracker but that wasn't enough this summer polly's back and he wants a bagel so you're not saying hey let's figure this out so we can wallow in our stuff, which is, I think, what a lot of critical people think. We're just going to go back into our story and roll around in the crap. Yeah. You're saying, no, no, I need to understand so that my body can let it go and not misassign it to people so that I'm having relational problems that really aren't the issue. Yeah, or self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. You know, some compulsive behaviors are injurious to yourself, obviously. Right? Sure. So, so we do that. There was something you just said that made me, oh, it'll come back to me. I'll get it in a minute. Sorry, my but, sons keep walking back oh, and forth across the yeah, sidewalk and waiting ready for to you me. to get off the <laughs> Stop the talking back. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. What? Uh, go ahead with your direction, because as of now, I don't know what your direction was. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk. I wanted to hear how KK's understanding of addiction has evolved over time. In fact, you got to the point, uh, the last conversation we had on the Positive Sobriety Podcast, you made it pretty clear that you don't even like the word addict very much. I really don't, mm-hmm. um, because that, again, is, is behavioral based. Mm-hmm. Let's look at how this person's acting and put a label on them. And there's nothing much more injurious than labeling a human being as far as the negative. I, mm. I don't believe anymore in personality disorders. I don't, I don't like, I don't like to label people because the truth is if you go with, if you go with causality and go, okay. And, and not wallow in it. I know what mm-hmm. I was going to say. If we survived what we went through, we can certainly survive the healing of it. Mm. That's number one. There you go. And number two, it we are we might be victimized, but we have a responsibility to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody could have victimized me, but I can't be walking around a victim for the rest of my life, or there's no healing. Mm-hmm. So we have a responsibility, and we certainly can survive it. Wow. Nobody I, has. I'm not letting you move on from that because okay. that's so important. I knew it was important, and it yeah, yeah, that's mind. so important because. <laughs> You just said, hey, victim, 
at some point you're going to have a responsibility to heal. Yeah. Which is some tough love to a victim, especially a victim of some kind of trauma that keeps coming back yeah. where they feel like I can't control this. It's just the way I feel. And you're saying, uh, okay, but nobody else is ca- the person who did this to you cannot carry the responsibility of your healing. Mm-mm. And that's a huge thing you're saying. Well, and, and nobody, nobody dies from the healing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, nobody yeah. dies from a panic attack. People just don't, yeah, you know, and so, so the fear and, and, and your brain works against you there because your brain is saying at a non-conscious level, this happened to you before this happened to me before I barely survived it. I certainly didn't process it. So anything that reminds me of that, I'm going to shut down into a fight, flight and freeze state because it's too familiar. So you, a lot of times you have to, well, you have to have human connection. Mm-hmm. to be able to heal that. Right. And many times that's enough mm-hmm. with another. I mean, you've seen this. Sure, with you absolutely. Guys. And, and hats off to all you guys that are even spending time listening to that because what you're trying to do is heal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're out there listening to me drone on, you want to heal. <laughs> so you're you're taking that step, right? Yeah, yeah. But many times you have to have professional intervention there to get that non-conscious neurological loop broken. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so... So I think, Nate, to answer your question where we've evolved from is that addiction was, and, and you blew the, the doors wide open on this because, you know, Christians don't have addictions or there's something wrong with them. <laughs> yeah, right, you right, know? right. Not real Christians. You're not, you're not yeah. repentant Christian. That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Christian. And this but, summer, Polly wants a bagel. Yeah, We're just going to loop go. back around all of this. You getting triggered here. Um, but, but I think that... Um, but and and one of the things I would say, we have to catch up because the the brain science is moving so fast um, that that we can I guess we can white knuckle it. I mean the the studies show that twelve step alone or rehab alone, all that stuff doesn't. I mean the outcomes are are very bleak. success rate is very low. low. Yeah, low. And so we have to look at something more. And I I'm convinced that healing from trauma. I don't know. I really don't know people that have destructive compulsive behavior that haven't had something that they need to heal from. Mm-hmm. I just I haven't found that yet. Prove me wrong here, but I I don't I don't believe that there's not something that is unrecognized or suppressed or whatever that that hasn't caused me to want to numb to go for a let more you know it's a it's a compulsive behavior behavior is a rec, uh, regulating mechanism so i'm going to do this because my body is in such pain that if i act this way or that way then hopefully i'm going to regulate and get mm-hmm. out of that pain yeah. Maya Salowitz says that addiction develops when the because the brain does what it's designed to do, which is to learn and to learn a way uh, to reduce distress and to be, and to somehow regulate regulate yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we got bad learning and and uh, and a lot of that once again below the conscious level. So I think it's important here, and I know I'm interrupting you, but yeah. I want to say this. I think it's important to also recognize that those coping mechanisms may have saved your life at some point. Right. Through a period of, you know, you may have done that as opposed to going off and did some highly dissociative state that could have led to something even worse. And so so we want to be gentle with right. those younger mm-hmm. parts that develop that coping mechanism. And that's one thing that, that flies in the face of a lot of, you know, traditional uh, mm-hmm. recovery models is because these younger parts that are driving the bus when we do that, they just need to be loved and re-engaged into the whole being. Right. If that yeah. makes right. sense. Mm-hmm. You were about to change directions, I think, but I want to ask one practical question on what you said. Um, if I, we've got the addict, I'm thinking of addicts and their spouses right now. Okay. So here we've got a person that, uh, and I, I don't love the word addict either. So we've yeah. got this person that for whatever reason entered into some compulsive behavior that then traumatized their spouse. Sure. And then the spouse 
kind of naturally and obviously feels like you it's your fault. And not only your fault, but you need to do something that's going to take away my pain. Yeah. It's not yeah. my responsibility. This is your responsibility. You yeah. need to show this level of contrition. You need to do whatever. Yeah. They might even make a list, but in my experience, that list never makes them feel better. Never. Which Never. comes back to what you said, which is so important for both listeners right now. Because we have listeners who have been traumatized by their spouse and yeah. those that are still trying to live up to the list. Yeah. What in the world do we say to them to go, oh, okay, yeah. You, yeah. You, you were offended. You were the victim of this. Yeah. And it's still yeah. in your hands now what you yeah. do with it. One of the, um, when I look diagnostically at a marriage and I say, uh, and, and all of y'all visualize this. I have a yard. My husband, David, has a yard. There's a street in between it. When I take my lawnmower and go start mowing David's yard or even come out in the street with my, my lawnmower, there is nothing really good that happens there. Yeah. And and so so the the thing that, as painful as it is to hear, these these spouses that have been so harmed... And it's not hurt; it's harm. Mm-hmm. You know there is carnage there. If they can, if they can buy in to the fact that they would be much better off in their healing process if they will stay in their own yard and mow their own grass and really dig deep and look at what they need to work on, mm-hmm. even if it's grief. Yeah. If, as opposed to what I see a lot of times is this instruction laundry list of what you got to do to prove to me that you're going to be you're going to be um, valuable enough to stay in this relationship with me, and and that gets so sideways so fast. Nobody wants to be instructed. Nobody wants to be fixed, and no one heals from fixing another human being. Right. It just doesn't happen, and we think. You know, I can remember early on in our marriage, I would think if David would just have a quiet time every morning (laughs) and he would meet with three or four men that I think would be the men that would keep him in the road, Mm -hmm. then our marriage would be fine. Yeah, I thought the same thing about David. Jeez, I (laughs) thought those same thoughts. (laughs) But, you know, the relief that I got when I quit worrying about where David was spiritually. Yeah. You know, and started working on myself. The truth is, it was usually when I wasn't in a good place spiritually or whatever that yeah, yeah, meant yeah, at that yeah. time. Um, but but if we can if we can stop hypermanaging the other person in in our relationship, I promise there will be so much relief. Yeah. I know that sounds that sounds very cold to say no. that, but if you can trust somebody enough to say, "Am I out of my yard with my lawnmower?" Yeah. and you can trust them to help guide you back into that yard you know and the truth is the relationship may not survive that but you'll be a ton healthier if you can learn because all you'll do is start mowing somebody else's yard and the samson guy needs to hear this as much as his spouse does Mm -hmm. um because i remember I, i hear this all the time actually from guys in recovery they want their wife to own her part in it, uh-huh. what, whatever they think that is. Right. And and the wife perceives that quite accurately as nothing but blame right. shifting and only resists. Right. Yeah, but I'm going to say this, and and you know we can all all the wives may start throwing stones at this point, but um, but typically when you look at a marital system, mm-hmm. one person always looks really sick. Yeah. But then you start peeling that onion back more and more, and you end up having two sick people. Right. And so um, somebody's just not, people aren't sick in vacuums. Mm-hmm. And right. So, you know, do your own work. And if your work um, keeps you in that marriage, great. Yeah. If the other person makes the determination that they're unwilling to get their lawnmower out and cut their own yard, there's your answer. And and push back to this. What you're saying, Nate, when a, when a guy says, I just want her to own her own shit. Yeah, yeah. That's a person that feels like he's being blamed all the time mm-hmm. and he wants to spread the blame. Yeah. Which is only doubling down on stupid. 
That, well, and he's also mowing her yard too. That's exactly that yeah. She's coming over saying, "You need to fix this." Well, fine then. So they've both switched yards. They're mowing that's, each other's that's yards. That's exactly right. That's when it. what what you're saying with dull blades. With dull blades. <laughs> uh, what what you're talking about isn't no own your own stuff you did wrong. It's own your healing process. That's it. It's, thank Move you towards for a positive that. thing. Yeah, it's 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 it is. You know, you have the responsibility to do your own healing. And um, I think we do a disservice in the Christian world to, um, and this, this is probably going to open Pandora's box and you won't even let me come speak at this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But, but I think that, um, that we uh, need to quit picking intactness of a marriage over health. You know, you know, everybody rallies around and thinks, well, this is what you got to do to be able to stay in this, or you've got to stay and make this work. And that, to me, is that that doesn't make sense a lot of the time. You're saying we're more committed as a church to save marriages than protect people. And in doing so, we have a bunch of marriages that still remain with really hurt people. And abuse, abuse a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the intactness looks so much cleaner. Because uh, people can hide the, you know, they can hide the abuse um, mm-hmm. or the abusiveness. And, and, and the collateral damage there is always the kids. Do not kid yourself for a second that your kids aren't aren't your collateral damage if you're walking around pissed all the time. Yeah. They, they absorb that and think it's their fault. Yeah. 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 Um, we're, take, get, we're getting close. So is this your wrap-up question? Well, I, I want to move. I want to move to to neurotherapy. Oh, cool! That's fine. Uh, so it's crew time. We got all the time in the world. So the name of your I'm going to call it a clinic. Uh, yes, I'd call it a clinic. Okay, yeah. is it's Tennessee Neurofeedback. Uh-huh. So there's two buckets that I work in, and and, and this all evolved because of Basil Vanderkolk's book um, or his training. I actually went to the body keeps the score. Oh yeah. And um, I'd already I'd already been trained on brain spotting for several years, and I went to Vanderkolk's training, and he talked about combining a deep brain-based therapy, which is EMDR or brain spotting, with neurofeedback. And and what he says is you can get to curative with that. Wow. I don't. I'm not Dr. Vanderkolk, so I'm not going to say I'm curing anybody, but we've seen remarkable results. So can we take this one huge? Yeah. explanatory step back yes. for those people that you know they've seen the movie train spotting but they're not sure what you're talking about and they have no idea what neural feedback is okay all right thank you because i i can get wrapped up and thinking i've already told this but brain spotting um the eyes are actually brain tissue and so that scripture i think that says the eyes are the window to the soul mm-hmm. they literally your your eyes can find a position that correlates where your trauma is being held in the deep non-conscious reptilian part of your brain. And so we're trained to find where the bo- the brain labels what the body holds, and we're trained with eye position and sounds to go pop those time c- capsules open deep in the, in the reptilian part of the brain. So we pop those open, and, and you process it enough that your body doesn't have the memory. You, me- you remember it, but you don't have the startle reflex or the gut bomb or whatever. So we process that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, you know, it's, it's really hard to explain. You can go on my website and get look at the videos or whatever and see it. Um, it takes me 10 minutes to really get deep into it. But the bottom line is... I had a startle reflex. So if, if, if I even knew you were coming into the room mm-hmm. and you said, hey, KK, I would have a startle reflex. Right. And so when I processed through that in brain spotting with David Grant, he was able to go to the to the places in my brain that that created the layers that created that startle re- response. So now when someone comes in, they say, I don't I don't jump. 
And that's a that's a PTSD. A startle response is a PTSD. Um, right. Sure. Signal. Right. So so then I went and trained with Vander Kolk, and he talked about neurofeedback about fifty times in the eight hours I was there, and I had never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Came home and started researching it. Bought all the equipment before I ever knew what the first thing I was doing. <laughs> but um, but we've evolved. We're almost three years into it now, and um, so the the bottom line is that. We can now look um, through an EEG. We we can look at your brain, put it through a database, and we can say this brain is depressed, this brain is anxious, this brain has an injury from like a concussion or whatever. We can see that you have a trauma response. We can see if you have ADD or not. We can. Um, and by the way, eighty five percent of people that think they have ADD really have anxiety. Okay. So we can we can tell. All of those things from the brain map. Dr. Steffens is our clinical director. She reads it. She's read about 4,500 maps. She reads it, and we develop a protocol of training your brain. It's not a treatment. It's a training. It's non-invasive. So you come in, and the average is 40 to 60 times, and, and you sit in a quiet chair. Kids watch movies. Adults don't. But you sit with earphones on, electrodes on your head, and when your brain waves are going in the direction of regulation from that dysregulated place that we mapped, you get a feedback tone. Your brain wants to learn about itself. It wants to heal itself. So it begins to grow new neurons, just like lifting weights for muscles. And over that course of 40 to 60 sessions, your brain actually re, um, reorganizes and regulates after twi- every 20 sessions, we remap you so you can actually see how mm-hmm. much your brain has changed. And it's remarkable. I mean, we see kids getting off of Adderall all the time. I, I'm Anecdotally, I was on an antidepressant for 25 years, and I've been off for a year. Wow. So I really believe what I'm selling here. I, um, I just have to say, because I remember the first time uh, at, at our church, we were actually tried to buy a whole neurofeedback thing yeah. so that people weren't just coming in for biblical counseling for cognitive counseling, but that that was a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And when my partner, shout out Dane, uh, was, he was way into this. They were trying to use it with veterans. Yes. Um, and he would talk about it. I'm like, what kind of freak are you? It's <laughs> like, we're going to, we're going to stick suction cups on your head. You're going to stare at a screen. You're going to make things move like yeah. Jedi action. Yeah, yeah. Like what, the way the, the, Probably the most important part for someone that's never heard about this that you said is it's literally exercise for your brain, no yes. different than lifting weights. That's right. You sit there and your brain is working on things that you can't consciously do. That's right. But you have some visual stimulus, you have something, so your brain is going to sounds. Yeah. And and your brain just works and works and works. Yeah. And then you get rescanned and you go, Okay, that's gotten a little stronger. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's a thing. Your brain's a part of your stinking body. It's not a mysterious, if there's something wrong with your brain, it doesn't mean your faith wasn't strong enough. It is a physical part of your body. Well, and and also it's really been awesome for peak performance. So people that that want to even be better that have mm-hmm. you know sports therapy yeah stuff. yeah Huge. lots of people are doing it but it i mean and and nashville has been amazing they've been you know we're, we're, we have a very sophisticated population here and people want alternatives to medications and so it's been a really really fun thing to see nashville and and now for you guys that are from out of town we we do have units that that you can use at your home. You just have to get to us every 20 sessions, but that's been awesome for people out of town. Sorry, I totally heard what that. Is for, for you, for those of you from out of town, I thought you meant those people from California who aren't oh, no, sophisticated no, 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 like no, no, the Nashville. No, if you're living, you know, so, if you're living in a place that doesn't have it, and I have to say, <clears throat> and this is so, going to sound like such an advertisement, but we've got nine people in our staff now that are certified, and that's more than everybody else in Middle Tennessee put together, maybe in the whole state. So do you so, send this out to people for a time and they send it back or do they no. have to buy their own thing well they no it's it's we we do rent it and mm-hmm. they have to come to us every 20 to get a remap mm-hmm. so that we have that that protocol mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah but it's changing yeah. and, and the studies especially for people that have the compulsion um what happens um uh, the studies there's one out of ucla that alcohol starts tasting bad because your brain regulates and it doesn't want the toxin of the alcohol anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've noticed for me, I've 
you know, after I, I might've said this on another podcast, but going to, um, a restaurant, David and I go to a lot for three times. I sent the wine back and I'm like, this wine is an old bottle. Give me a new glass. And yeah. then I realize it just doesn't taste good to me anymore. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's a downside, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you said people like, really, this can't just be summarized. These are big things. Uh, I, Nate and I are just affirming this is not as crazy as it sounds if you've never heard of this. Yeah. So they can go to your website and see the longer explanation. What is your website where they can see this it's, longer? It's um, TNNFB, so Tennessee Neurofeedback, TNNFB.com. Um, and you can contact us through that to get more information, too, and we'll do okay. that. Thank you for helping us promote it because it's just such a healing mechanism yeah. that people don't know is available. And what, what would you say real quick to the people that are going to look this up and go, oh, I can just get an app on my uh, iPhone that'll do the same thing? Yeah, it doesn't do the same thing because you you don't have the 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 QEEG, the brain map. So there's a lot of things out there, but... Um, and, and it's going to be regulated before long because it's one size fits all. So if you happen to have the issue that that particular app or, or, Mm -hmm. um, apparatus heals for, it might work. So if, you know, if you have classic ADD and this little machine you bought for $200 online trains for that, it, it might work, but you, you, you miss the, the diagnostic side of it and training Mm -hmm for your particular brain. Yes. What were you going to say, Nate? I, I was, I was not going to say anything. I'm just, I'm just sitting here enthralled. Uh, 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 let me just add, if you would like to have further conversation with KK. Shoot. Yeah. I yeah. know where you could have that. Uh, yeah. If you haven't yet registered, by the way, uh, we only have a few bunks left. We're almost sold out for the fall retreat. I think we've got something like, uh, all the all the uh, single rooms are gone. All the semi-private rooms are gone. I think we got maybe 18 spots in the in the luxury lodge. Uh, maybe 10 in the road trip lodge, and a few in the bunkhouse. But we have to, we you know we have to cap. There's a capacity there. So, and um, I will look so forward to talking to you guys when y'all come because that's my my first love is to teach and then do Q and A and I'll I'll stick around as long as y'all want. Um, awesome. We're going to ask you to to deliver fun. your workshop twice. Can you do it twice? I one hundred percent can. I okay, would love good. to do that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry, I'm so stuck on classic ADD. Just picturing like a guy dressed in a Victorian outfit being like, but I can't pay attention, Mr. Darcy. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, I well, know that's not what you meant. I'm just a visual okay, messed well, up person. Okay, well, let me just say this. Be careful on this ADD stuff because if you have attention, if you have anxiety that causes you to be inattentive, your body's already anxious, right? Right. You add a stimulant to that or to a kid's body that it's, it's just wreaks havoc. Yeah, yeah. And everybody feels better on cocaine and that's what... Those stimulants are right. You got to be careful. Yeah, yeah. Don't look at me like you thought I would say. Yep, we all feel better on cocaine. <laughs> well, I heard you know? about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you, what, Nate, we can we can just wrap this whole thing up. What an enjoyable conversation. We're going to wrap up the whole show. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else do we need to tell people? You told Nothing. them they need to sign up. Yeah. They should send in letters with questions and interesting uh, anecdotes or memes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They can. They can certainly reach us via Gmail at Samson. No. Which. What. What is it? Oh, it's Pirate, Pirate Monk Podcast <laughs> at Gmail dot com. There you go. Yeah. And uh, if you can't make it to the retreat, but you would like to communicate, have a question for KK. If you send it to Pirate Monk Podcast at Gmail dot com, I'll make sure and forward it to KK. Or you can connect her at T N N. Well, TNNFB, but you could follow me on Instagram because I'm a little, I'm just starting the Instagram world for at KK Ray and you know, everybody pays attention to how many followers and likes they have. So okay. I'll okay. communicate with so you that way too. So you follow en- me. If you enjoyed what KK had to say, <laughs> don't be a punk. Follow her on Instagram. Be there you a go. part of those numbers. Yes. Give me a lot of likes. Wow. What a great, what a great conversation it has been. Uh, our local Samson meeting starts in 15 minutes. Holy so cow. It's, it's about time to wrap this sucker up. Sacre vache. Yeah. Wrap it up. Yeah. That's it for this week. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Aaron. KK, thank and, y'all so much. 
We'll see you next time on the Pirate Monk Podcast.